Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Westcott, and I'm filling in for Matt Laughlin on the official New Jersey Devils podcast. I'm joined now by our co-host, Amanda Stein. Amanda, I know we've both been really excited to talk about our guests, uh, talk to our guests this week, uh, especially because you know what this week is. It's the anniversary of two of his cup wins. Scott Gomez, former Devils, joining us now. Scott, how are you doing? Good. I'm a little upset. Where's Maddie? He's too busy, or <laughs> he said he didn't want to talk. Actually, golfing. Yeah, that jerk. Oh. I remember that. <laughs> we're gonna have to let him know no more golfing when scott gomez is calling so. <laughs> no no Do well we're thing. really we're really excited to have you uh what, what have you been up to this summer how, how are you doing uh, what are you kind of doing to you know uh take up your time right now well i uh i'm back in alaska i came about march 10th and uh came for we had a foundation pond hockey tournament here and uh just like anything just like everyone else got kind of quarantined I've been up here ever since. Um, I was with my business partner. We were doing uh, a lot. We were making Alaskan documentary films um, for athletes that came out of our state. And once we got quarantined, he was, you know, he's kind of stuck with me. So we just started, uh, you know, if he's going to be here, might as well make yourself useful. So we started just making funny videos that, uh, you know, try to make people laugh. And we went with that and they started an Instagram page and all that. And kind of just been 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 doing that and getting the feedback with that, so people uh, people I guess are enjoying them, so we keep making them. Where can people reach that to to actually see those? Um, I should know my Instagram. Hey TJ, what's the Instagram page? <laughs> Sorry, what? I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Well, live Scott, and Scotty or Scott? <laughs> Scotty, Scotty C Gomez on Instagram. I should probably know that, but uh, as you can tell, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm old school. You're so. new to the game. You're yeah, new, new to the game, the game. <laughs> so they can check it out there. And uh, yeah, it's all in good fun. But uh, used to always, uh, you know, my old teammates, guys like Bobby Holy, Turner, Stevenson, Randy McKay, John Madden, that kind of corner there. I used to, if I wasn't talking in third person, I was, uh, I was letting them know about the great state and uh, just making lies about how I grew up. And so now it's kind of, they're kind of on video. So you know, the boys have definitely gotten a kick out of that. So what is it like growing up in Alaska when you were there? Well, when you were growing up? Well, it's like anything as a kid. You don't know anything else. Uh, people act, you know, how did you grow up there? Why did you grow up there? Well, because I couldn't just leave home. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it was great. Um, you know, um, we were always, Alaskans always kind of took, took pride, just the fact that, you know, a lot of people in the lower 48 still thought we needed passports to, to come to the States. And uh, I mean, um, Half the people thought Alaska was by Hawaii because I'm sure you guys had the old school maps that <laughs> came down and Alaska would be by Hawaii. So, um, no, it was like anything else. It was great growing up. Um, I'm sure it's different now. I mean, kids have play dates and all that. We, we had none of that. There was kids all in the neighborhood. Summertime, we just spent on the ballpark. Um, same thing when in the wintertime, we'd be at the ice rink. And, yeah, it was just a place where uh, it was great growing up as a kid. You don't realize uh, how dark it is until uh, you come back later in life for – you know, it's still nine o'clock in the morning and it's pitch dark and you're, you know, how the hell did I grow up here? But uh, no, I love it. And uh, it's, you know, people are great. And so it's always been home. Two summers ago, I was up in Whitehorse in Yukon and then we were close to Alaska. So we said, why don't we just drive down there? So we actually went, my friends and I actually went to Skagway and Juneau. Skagway was a little, I wasn't really <laughs> sure what I was experiencing there. <laughs> I, yeah, that's kind of the old... Uh, you know, it's got the old time feel in Alaska. I mean, uh, but yeah, Juneau is, uh, is our capital and 
to get to Juno from where we're at, you either have to take a boat or fly. And so, um, yeah, the Southeast is beautiful. And, you know, the people of tourism that usually take that, that cruise, that's where they end up those, uh, Juno, Ketchikan, Sitka, Skagway. So it's a little different than where I'm at, kind of more of a city guy. I mean, compared to you guys. <laughs> I was going to say. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> we're kind of the New York City of, uh, of Alaska, Anchorage. So it was, we grew up a little different. Tell me a little bit about the culture there. Like you, you, we talk a lot about food on this podcast sometimes with some of our guests and you know, like in New Jersey, it's pizza, it's Taylor and pork roll, it's oh. bagels. You know, what, is there like a quirky food or culture thing that happens in Alaska that maybe wouldn't translate to people down here in the lower 48? Yeah, I think uh, the main thing about Anchorage is it's a melting pot. Uh, there's all, uh, all kinds of races. The only, the only really uh, race that was, or not a big Italian and uh, Jewish community, that's about it, but everything else. So growing up here, we didn't really, uh, you know, I, my high school, I think three years ago was the most diverse high school in the United States, um, America, and people are shocked by that. But, you know, it started in World War II and then uh, the military, first wave, um, the earthquake in 64, and then the pipeline 72, and just, you know, I guess minorities just kept coming up and uh, staying. So it's really, really diverse. Um, I remember the first time I was in New Jersey that summer before training camp. Um, it's kind of the first time I really had Italian food. Uh, no disrespect <laughs> to anything here, but, you know, we just didn't have a time. We had, we had this one place that we all thought was heaven. And then when you went out east, that was the first time that, uh, holy cow, this is, <laughs> this is what it's supposed to taste like. And uh, so that was neat. But, um, I mean, there's everything up here. I can't even, I mean, you know, food, everything. It was just, you know, Chinese, Filipino, uh, black, Hispanic. Um, so food, it was always, yeah, we got everything up here. But, uh, yeah, Jersey, I remember the first time uh, everyone made a big deal about uh, something called a Taylor ham sandwich. And, like, what the hell is that? And then once I had one of those, I was like, I probably shouldn't, uh, probably shouldn't be eating those every day because uh, they're pretty good. But um, it was it was neat, that experience going out to the East Coast and uh, – kind of the redefine of food the guys are a little ahead of us on that on that department are you a cook like do you like to cook yeah i mean uh my mom you know she's a world-class cook but uh yeah definitely um i you know it's something to do i i kind of enjoy those cooking shows like the gordon mm -hmm. ramsay i used to love the anthony bourdain shows and um yeah i mean uh when you're you know starting out in the league you're by yourself it gets you're not going out yeah you kind of gotta kind of gotta cook for yourself and uh i always enjoyed it um you know i'd be around restaurants and we'd hang out at certain places all the time and you know you just the chefs would start giving you secrets how to do stuff and um yeah it's always neat when people come over and they're actually shocked you can uh, actually make a meal did you bring the stanley cup to alaska when you won your cups yeah i um actually the the best advice i ever got was uh Randy McKay grabbed me and Jay Pandolfo and he said, uh, we were, you know, we were new to this, so we didn't know what, what to expect, how to do this. What do you do for the town? What, what do you do with the Stanley Cup when you bring it home? Yeah. And he said, you know, make sure it's, uh, it's available for the town. Take it to certain, you know, charity places you want. But, but he also said, when you have your party at the end of the night, which, you know, you will, mm -hmm. he's like, you place the cup over there. <laughs> And you make sure you're over there because at that point you're not sick of it, but you're just like, everyone wants a picture every, and you, you want to enjoy yourself. Yeah. So that was always great advice Randy gave me. And I remember cause Jay didn't follow through and <laughs> I remember asking about his party and he, uh, 
he said, yeah, I, I should have listened to Randy. I was stuck taking pictures all night. But we, um, we, we cut the street off where I grew up. So all the, just the neighborhood could, could enjoy it for like an hour. It was, it was really tight. I mean, you guys know that. And, yeah. and then we uh, took it to the elderly home, hospitals, um, a couple bars. And then we had it out in the park strip uh, downtown, this big park. And we had it out there for like five or six hours where, where people just line. There was a big park. I mean, kind of like almost like a fair atmosphere. And I was passed out in some motorhome. <laughs> just, right? just tired, right? Just tired. Yeah, I hadn't gone to bed <laughs> about four days. So uh, that was good. I needed the rest. But, um, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, it wasn't just me and my close friends. It was, it was for the whole, the whole state and the whole town that, uh, you know, this, this is your guys just as much as I, mine. And it's crazy now um, how many years later you see – kids that are in their twenties now that they were just babies with pictures in the cup. And it also proves how old you're getting, but uh, yeah, it <laughs> definitely did it right for the town both times. Well, you've mentioned his name a few times already. So I want to transition. I have an inside source that told me to ask you about Randy McKay, because I've heard that he's been one of your favorite uh, teammates with the devils. Uh, tell me what, like why, how you, you guys are so close, a little bit about your relationship. Well, uh, Randy McKay was one of the big jerks I met when I first made it. Because <laughs> the guy, look at him, he's scary. And I had to see him. And uh, finally, one day, we get in the locker room, and uh, he's doing his sticks, and he's doing, like, karate kicks, and, I mean, just doing weird stuff. And you're like – and then I finally said to him, start talking. I was like, hey, man, you're pretty cool. Like – you know, why were you, uh, why didn't you talk or well, man, you're a really cool guy. I thought you were some jerk. And he just looked at me and goes, I'm really bad with names. And he goes, so I try not to even remember anyone's name, make the team and then I'll talk to you and I'll know your name. So I kind of, all right, that makes sense. But Randy McKay, uh, Bobby Holik, and, you know, his first year they were, uh, in Dano. I mean, all the guys, but Randy and Bobby, cause I sat next to them. They were uh, three total different personalities, but we just, we just gelled. We, uh, they took care of me on and off the ice and, uh, all these years later, they're still, um, you know, like most of the guys. But yeah, they're they're definitely still guys I can uh, get advice from. Call, you know, they're I had I one thing about those Devils teams, I was uh, I was really fortunate with the vets I had. I mean, it's one thing to care about you on the ice and how you're doing, but uh, to show you the ropes off the ice and make sure uh, there's there's a thing called life after this. And uh, those guys really really uh, helped me out. Is it intimidating as a young player? walking into that devil's locker room for the first time. I mean, these, you know, it's filled with veterans and yeah. you made it right away. And it you... sucks. Let me put it to that <laughs> way. Uh, you come I mean, from what juniors, was that like? <laughs> you come from juniors and, uh, you know, growing up all through your hockey career, you, you hang out with guys. I mean, you're hanging out with just the way it is. And then you get to the pros and a lot of people don't realize that the first couple of months, you're just kind of the new punk kid. No, you know, don't talk, uh, which was hard for me. That's why that corner was so good. But, uh, you know, you just don't want to, don't want to talk. You're, you're with grown men. I mean, you're walking in and, you know, and then you got the presence of Lou. I mean, you're seeing this guy around. You're like, what the hell? This guy's always around. I mean, it's just, uh, you're, uh, you're intimidated. And I, I think, um, I kind of broke the ice or at least they did with me. I guess my personality, um, I just made the team. We're having a team stretch in the morning. And Lyle Oderline and Randy McKay, I'm right next to them. And they're talking about – they're joking around, and I, I don't realize it, but they're like, 
yeah, this could be Scotty's last year. He's going to retire. And they're just, I don't know if they're, you know, and I, and I commented, I said, and I thought, you know, I was close with those two. So they just keep it in house. And I said, uh, Scotty can't retire yet. And they looked at me and they were like, why? And I'm like, well, cause I'm not ready to be the captain yet. And thinking that they were going to just keep it to themselves. The next thing you notice, Lyle Odeline stands up and, hey, listen to what this kid just said. And I was just, oh, my God. And I'm, I, I, you know, I haven't really talked to Scotty that much. And he kind of smirked and I knew I was going to be okay. But, uh, yeah, your first month, I mean, you're like, yeah, a couple guys hang out. And, but everyone's got families. Everyone's got their own life. And uh, it takes you a while to get into that, in, into the mix. But, um, yeah, the first, first month or so, you're just – you almost want to go back to juniors because you're just you know, when you realize this is a business. These are these are grown men. This is work. But uh, after that, it was uh, it was it was rock and roll. It was fun. Was Lou one of the first people that you met within the franchise when you were drafted in that first round? Well, we all know uh, we all know the Devils, uh, and I'm sure I, I think so, you know Pete would definitely know. Um, you know, the way you dress, the attire you have is really uh, important and lose. What mind. you're saying is that you wouldn't be able to have what's currently on your face. <laughs> well, no, because it, actually, it wasn't until the second year that okay. when, uh, when the when the when the Yankees fought the Devils, or when we that's when we had the the George Steinbrenner rules. Like all of a sudden, you're not allowed to have facial hair. I don't think I'd have this anyway. But uh, we had a lot of different rules that the Yankees had. Were you no, know, you know, short hair. Uh, no facial hair. So that came in the second year. But um, with Lou, the year the, the night I got drafted, uh, was in Buffalo. You get drafted, and of course, teams have a big party afterwards or in the, the gathering. Yeah. And I called my friend the night uh, Ty Jones was drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks the year before. And so I, I was talking to him and I said, Well, what do you, you know, how do you go to this party? And he goes, Well, you change, um, change, and uh, because right after you're probably going to go out. And I was like, oh, Okay. So oh, no. me and my parents all changed. I think my dad's wearing shorts. Like my parents, we all just changed and going out. <laughs> and we walked into this gala, like, you know, Beauty and the Beast setting. And it was just like, and here's a bunch of Mexicans just kind of not sticking, you know, not sticking out. And I remember Lou, or Robbie Fatoric at the time was like, um, you know, Robbie was like, um, sorry, I did something. Sorry about that. Uh, Robbie was like, uh, where's your hotel? And, and, and you, we all been to Buffalo. It's kind of, yeah. especially during the draft, it wasn't easy. And I said, well, it's pretty far away. And he goes, well, you're probably going to have to go back and change. And I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, well, if Lou sees you, like, and then just then. You might get undrafted. Around, <laughs> yeah. Lou comes around the corner and kind of looks at us. And, you know, I think it, we used the Alaskan Mexican uh, kind of dummy. Like we didn't know and got away with it. But that was kind of the, things are going to, be a little different from here on in that's for sure <laughs> so obviously i mean I, I i like the the thing about the beard and everything whereas anyone in the locker room back when you played for the devils it was just super superstitious was like there any player around the locker room that had little quirks that maybe we, you found funny any guy that tells you well there's 20 guys in the room and there's 20 guys that have different quirks i mean dano would be dano would be across from me and Dano would just be, just be rocking the whole – I mean, for – I don't know how many times he's rocking. Like, he just would be rocking. Uh, like I said, Randy McKay was out there. Um, Bobby Holik, we'd be talking politics or, you know, uh, Madden, dog, he's a psycho. He's – you know, he's, he was next to me. But everyone was uh, – the special thing about the Devils 
and um, you were allowed to be who you were. It, uh, once we got on the ice, once the five minutes came, then it was business time. But until then, I mean, our, our room was loose. I mean, and it also helps when, like, you know, Marty, Marty, one of the best players in, in the league at that time, when the goalie, we all hear these horror stories about, you know, you can't look at the goalie, you can't talk to him. I mean, Marty was just – he was right there in the jokes. I mean, it was – everyone was just talking to smack the whole time. Like I said, uh, I'd be talking to third person, like, hey, you know, to Bobby and these guys, I'd be like – I'd stand up and say, you know, hey, uh, we get, if we got a chance to win, Gomer's going to get the puck today. That's just it. And I'd hold, I'd hold my stick up and be like, you know, if anyone wants a second assist, here it is. And it was just – we had a really good chemistry where we're uh, – it's hard to explain because everyone thought we were so serious, but once we got on the ice, it was game time and in practice, once you got on uh, practice in the games, that's when it was business, but everything else was, uh, I mean, we were literally just all over each other talking smack. Um, guys really cared. And, and I know other guys that uh, played in the league. I mean, you know, their locker room, no one would talk, no one would say anything and they'd be shocked to hear us. And, you know, you would, when Scotty kind of, kind of stood up and got ready, it was kind of like, all right, kind of be quiet now but like I said my corner I mean it was non-stop we just we especially when Turner Stevenson came in the mix I mean we just talked smack the whole time in the corner and uh and then um also when Claude Lemieux came it, it was a little different uh when it was uh you know around that eight minute mark it was uh let's get a little bit serious but me I couldn't I'd, I'd usually go hang out with the doctors or I'd be in the other room <laughs> with the, the public ever... oh sorry go ahead Chris oh yeah just saying did that vibe you say it just continued to be loose, but did that shift in the playoffs when it was go time or did you guys stay loose and stay cool in these high pressure situations when the playoffs were on? Yeah. When I got in there the two years before the team was, uh, you know, number one seed, they lost in the first round. So I didn't know what was going on. I thought, you know, I just come off a great year. I'm just going to keep going. And yeah, when the playoffs came, it's a, it's a different vibe. I mean, I went from, uh, like I said, I was playing my minutes. I was, I was having good – or playing good hockey. And then we, we ended up playing Florida in the first round. And so, you know, Burry is going to play about 20-some-odd minutes, and they're going to match him. And I'm not on that matching line. So it was a real wake-up call, like, wow, your game's got to adjust. And, and you realize, like, how just just getting hit, it's just different. It's, it's everyone's just more – I mean, everyone's more juiced up. And then I remember Claude Lemieux said it best to me. He's like, the playoff started, and he's like, hey, welcome. Here it is. Uh, this is where the men come. The little boys just went home. And I was like, oh, what's that mean? <laughs> and then you learn right away because, uh, yeah, but, but still, it's, it's hockey. And one thing, like I said, Bobby, Polique, Scotty, Dan, I mean, the big boys let you be. So for me to be in the room the whole time and just acting like I'm thinking about hockey, it just wouldn't work. I mean, to be at your best, you, we all respected each other, how, how we all got ready different and uh, – yeah, once we got on the ice, it was just a unit. But we never ever was uh, was told, "Hey, you got to do this or that." No, you're you get ready the way you got to get uh, you get ready, and uh, that's how it was. Like my first game, um, I think it was my first game. We're at home, and I'm sitting in the room, and I just was like, "This is uncomfortable. I, I can't sit here." This is, and anyway, we had a little lounge, so I didn't know. And you don't know the rules. I don't know if I'm allowed to go wherever I want, or do I have to stay in here? So I walk in the lounge and there was uh, Jennifer Aniston was uh, on the cover of People magazine, and I thought she'd be my future wife at one point. Now that I'm in the NHL, and so I just grabbed the magazine. And next thing you know, I'm I'm laying on the couch just reading, and Scotty comes around the corner, 
and we still got like 20 minutes to go or and scotty comes around and i see him in the corner of my eye and i'm like oh oh man is this good or right and he just goes right back in the locker room he's like going like this and next you notice there's like a bunch of vets just around me they couldn't believe that i was gonna play my first home national hockey or national hockey league game and i'm lounging out reading about jennifer aniston but that kind of explained how uh how my personality was uh so i was i was a little nervous then when, when scotty grabbed the other guys i was i was thinking i was gonna get an ass chewing or something but no they uh they let me be and dano standing over you i mean nobody no nobody was still dano was still rocking so who oh, right true dano, <laughs> still moving back and forth but, yeah but dano would have like dano would just say the funniest lines like before i mean like you know because one of Dano's greatest lines, and he truly believes it, is um, one of my first games. He's um, he he cross checks someone in the back, breaks his stick. The guy's on the ground, and Dano's like, Dano says, um, Billy McCurry gives him a penalty. Dano's screaming, and me and Marty and I think Whitey are right there. Dano's screaming, "You can't call that! You can't call that! It's not my fault. I'm the strongest man in the league." It's not my fault. And he's just – and even Billy McCreary starts laughing. He's like, Dan, I'll shut up and get to the box. But Dan, the whole way to the box, is yelling, that's not fair. It's not fair. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I'm the strongest man in the league. And, it, I mean, Dan was one of a kind. But the lines he had was just uh, – Kenny was a special one for sure. Well, he's, he's, he's the strongest man on the media bus. That's for sure, right, man? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Yes, he, he is. He loves, and Dan was the, was the guy that could, uh, you know, move his boobs up and down. <laughs> So, I know you see the wrestlers on it, but Kenny would do that, like, he'd be having a conversation with you, shirt off, and just constantly just going like that, and you're like, you don't know whether to look at him or looking at his boobs moving, because, yeah, I mean, he just, yeah, he, he had a bunch of quirks, quirks like that, but Kenny loved his, loved his body, I'll tell you that. Well, I can say that he's never done that on the media bus, yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're straight <laughs> it up. But, happened, I mean, I mean, Amanda, while, while Scott's talking about shirtless men, let's ask him about Goldberg and the famous photo from the locker room. Yeah. You got to tell us about that initial setup because I know there's a funny story about Holy chirping him. Yeah, so we, uh, so me, Nemchinov, uh, Sergei Nemchinov, John Madden, my dad, and Bobby Holik were outside the locker room. Um, we're outside the locker room. Mayhem's going inside. We're just out there having a beer talking. And just then, uh, Brett Hall and Goldberg are walking down and you know Brett Hall is a he's an icon he's a he's he's an idol and he's he was always great to me and you know what do you say he just lost and he's walking by us and um and you know say it our congratulations talk to him a little bit and then Goldberg was there and at the time I was uh, in the wrestling and he was the biggest wrestling star in the, in the world and I said uh hey do you mind uh hey do you, can you come in the locker room like the boys would love it and Holly Brett Hall was so cool he was like because Goldberg didn't know what to do. He's with Brett Hall. And, and uh, Brett Hall's like, no, 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 go. You know, we'll catch up later. Get in there. And uh, Goldberg's massive. And he starts walking in. And he's got a Dallas Star hat. And Bobby Holik doesn't know who the hell this guy is from, you know, from this and that. And Bobby has no clue. All he knows is that this guy's going to walk in with the Dallas Stars hat. And Bobby goes, hey, where do you think you're going? And we just kind of stopped. Like, you don't talk to Goldberg like that. And Bobby's like, if you think you're going in that locker room with the hat, you ain't going in or something. Only the way Bobby could say it. And Goldberg kind of stood there and he's like, yeah, that's actually a good point. So then we put him on a devil's hat. He comes in and the guys that knew him, like Colin White, just starts, Whitey starts freaking out because Whitey's huge in the wrestling. The younger guys, we, we knew it was. 
and the older guys had no clue. And then I don't know what the hell happened, but uh, oh, someone yelled, uh, "Hey, Gomer, uh, take your shirt off. Uh, get a picture next to him without his shirt." You know, I think it was Needs or something. Scott Niedermeyer. And I wasn't the most uh, physically set uh, guy at the time. And next to us, my shirt's off. He's shirting. And then I think Scotty's ego got involved because then Scotty jumped in the picture, and he's a Greek god. And next thing you know, his guys are posing with Goldberg without a shirt, and my mom's in there. I mean, we had a – he was great, um, great fun. It was a great sport about it. But uh, I think all the wives and all the, all the women that were in there, once he took the shirt off, they, they kind of they enjoyed the Stanley Cup a little bit more. Let's, let's put it that way. <laughs> Do you remember who handed you the Stanley Cup? Because you had such a unique – you were one of those unique people who entered the league and you start with a championship. So – do you remember who handed you the pot or the uh, cup that first time? I think it was, uh, it, it, I don't know if it, it was, it, it might've been either Bobby cause all the older guys go first. And so mm -hmm. I'm actually, I'm, I'm way down in the, in the, I'm going last, I guess, <laughs> or one of them. And I think it was maybe Pando, Jay Pandolfo or, or Bobby and Randy. But I do remember I had the cup in my, you know, I'm raising yeah. it. I'm, wow. This, I don't even know what's going on. I can't believe this is, you know, and the guys were really, really adamant about, hey, this is something special because guys have gone their whole careers without, mm -hmm. without even getting a glimpse, a taste of this or anything. But I remember holding it up, and my parents were right to the, to the right of me, and uh, I think Bobby and Randy uh, said, hey, uh, now that you got this out of the way, for the rest of your career, it's, it's this. It's business now, kid. And I didn't realize it then. I was like, like wow, that's, who says that right there? But it was. It was like, you really realize this is a business. And like I said, I had those older guys that really, they weren't taking anything away from it, but they were literally like, Hey, you know, now, you, you know, guys go their whole career for this. You got that out of the way. Now it's time. Uh, you know, you make money the whole time. So I was like, all right, that's easy. Like, okay. Yeah, all right. That's, that's the advice. Okay. You're, you, but, um, you just, you but, just hit it about how special that moment is. How special was it for you to watch Peter Sikora skate with the lap this past year at the reunion? Oh, that was, uh, you know, brings because Peter uh, Sicky is such a great guy, such a nice guy, and for him not to be on the ice um, to celebrate with us, um, I remember we were in the room and it was kind of a secret the at the twenty year, and you know, no one wanted to to let Sicky know or whatever. But who told me? I think maybe Patty or someone told me that they were going to do that. And whose ever idea was that was we were all just like they should get a bonus because that was uh, that was awesome. That was incredible. We were all. We were so happy for him, and uh, and Sicky was uh, he had no clue, and for him to, like I said, I don't know who came up with that. Maybe it was one of you guys or whatever, but that was something special for all of us. And and uh, yeah, for him to get get a lap uh, with the Stanley Cup because he missed out was uh, was great for all of us. And it was really palpable because you could feel the fan base really giving him a like a replication of what that moment would be like, right? Oh yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's funny because you know when you leave and. You come back. I mean, uh, it's still a lot of the same fans that were there when we were at the Continental. And so for them, you kind of – you hear it before, guys that played, you know, places a while. Like, you kind of grow up with those people. I mean, yeah. uh, you do grow up. You see their kids kind of get older. And, and now going back when we're out there and, and when Sicky was going around, you could, you know, look in the stands and see the people that have been there since at least I was there. And uh, I think it was special for everyone. Did he tell you how nervous he was? Um, yeah, well, he – he was nervous, but everyone's, you'd be shocked when you got to put your skates on and, and uh, you think everyone's just second, 
secondhand or second nature, but you know, you got a Stanley Cup, you forget how kind of heavy it is. You're on your skates. You're, it's our, this is coming from Sicky. Like, yeah, you're just thinking, don't fall. I mean, it could happen. Or and then that, then that kind of, that ends the, the special moment, but he did good, but yeah, he was definitely nervous. I mean, anytime you're, no matter what, you're skating in front of that many people, you're going to, you're going to feel it a little bit. You know, you know what he said was we were in the locker room and we were filming it. We had a couple of videographers in there and he was looking nervous. It's like, are you nervous? You've skated before. And he's like, well, yeah. He's like, I coach sometimes like I skate, but I just stand there. I haven't actually yeah. skated in years. So he was, he was pretty nervous and shaky, but it was, it was a definitely a wonderful moment. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was you guys did a great job. It was, that whole, that whole week weekend yeah. was uh, not only for, I mean, not only for us, but for our families and uh, you know, not taking away what happened in whatever other reunions, but the guys that were involved, the other ones, they said this was just, it was just, I mean, you guys took care of us. We didn't, uh, we got to be together a lot where you, you find out at these reunions from other guys, like they're constantly just doing media stuff, uh, signings, whatever. And that's, that's important. But for us to be able to just to be as a group and, you know, you haven't seen some of these guys in 20 years, but just for us to be a team again and, and just kind of left alone until the fans. I mean, it, it, that was really, really cool. And I know the, the guys that have done them before, they were, they were really adamant about that, that, I mean, we were really appreciated because you guys told us to be here at a certain time and we were like, which could have been dangerous. Like, what do you mean five <laughs> o'clock? We don't have to show up until five. I think, I think there was like six of us at the bar at, at Mikey's at like, at noon and then you know i think marty was like hey it's getting around five we better get going we better get so, out of yeah, here yeah so we were all nice and uh, tuned up that's for sure um what i loved about that week was uh meeting your parents who are absolutely a riot i mean i can yeah. see your personality now but I, like they really have the strong personalities don't they well like i don't know it just changed as it got you got older but when, when i came in the league those first five years it just wasn't us it was everyone's families i mean really? our uh it was a group i mean um and i don't know how it was in other teams but it definitely wasn't like that like uh if your family was in town um you know you're not going out or you just send them over to mike citarella's place and next you know us there'd be other family members from other teams mm -hmm. or other other guys on the team and they'd just be hanging out and and we were all really close i mean behind the scenes you know, you could party with anyone's parents. You could hang out, you know, if I'm at dinner and I see Mr. and Mrs. McKay, I'm eating with them. Uh, it was just a tight knit group. And yeah, my parents, you know, my people don't believe it, believe it or not. I'm really quiet all day. It's usually when, uh, your Colombian mom's hilarious. Come, the Colombian comes out of me when, uh, at night, you know, but I'm Mexican all day. I don't like talking to people. I don't like getting bothered. I'm like my dad, but, but yeah, it was not only a dream for, uh, for me playing with the devils and, and, in the NHL, but for our parents, it was just, and you know, every family, every sibling member, it was, it was a dream for all of us. And, and, and we all lived it and we all, we all enjoyed each other's company. And then, and if some of the parties people could see with, with the family members, I mean, the parents were the wild ones. I mean, I mean, uh, I Colin white and my mom danced with his parents. I mean, for hours and hours and smoking darts and, 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 and I mean, you know, you get by them, you're going to get burned. I mean, but our, our, it was a special group. It was, a Everyone from everyone's family members, they were lifelong friends and they still are. Coming up on June 9th, I believe it is, is another anniversary of the 2003 Cup win. So a different scenario where it's a couple of years later. So what's it like between winning two Cups? Like, how do they 
maybe stack up or is each, you know, just individually just as special? Well, it's great question. to explain that is the one that still bothers us the most. And, and I'll say something personal. None of us talk about it. None of us ever really bring it up and just kind of just something that still hurts all of us. But, you know, if we win the next year, which we didn't, uh, we, you know, you look at that lineup, you look at that team, besides Claude Lemieux not being there, but you look at that team and, you know, we always feel that, and it doesn't, hey, if we didn't, we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, but if we win that second one, you can put that team up there with the teams that have gone back to back. And I mean, because mm-hmm. that was a great team. It's probably one of the best teams I've ever been on. So after we lost that, we kind of had a cup hangover. We were, it took a while. I mean, we just, it wasn't the same. I mean, we let Larry down. Just guys, we couldn't get over that. The fact we had it, you know, could have won in game six and going to seven. It just took something out of us. And and we and at that point, we played a lot of hockey. I mean, even the guys before that, I mean, the wear and tear. But, you know, Pat Burns comes in the mix. It's a whole different vibe now. We um, we, we, we know we can be good again. Um, we still got the core. We still got Scotty, the Scotties. We still got uh, Marty. You know, we, we got the team. But uh, we finally got over. And I think getting Joe Neuendijk really, really uh, brought in, like, you know, we had leadership, but he brought in a whole different dynamic that we needed, like, uh, I don't know if it was confidence or whatever. But uh, we go on that run, and it was basically out of the East. It was going to be between us and Ottawa if we could get there. And you look, that was the year Anaheim made that incredible run where yeah. – you know, Detroit's out, Colorado's out, uh, Dallas is out. All the all the big boy, all the big boys are out on the West. Where we always like to say that the Stanley Cup was uh, us in Ottawa, but that's just being because not taking any away from Anaheim, but it was like we get there. Uh, Anaheim's not going to beat us, but saying that they took us to Game Seven, yeah. so it was scary enough. But but that and they did win, have Jiguera, right? And Jiguera had been yeah. playing unbelievable. Yeah, but I, you know, I still think Marty probably should have got the con, but agreed. My, but, but in saying that, when we won, it just for the guys that had experienced the the game seven loss to Colorado, it just washed it away. It was over. It was something we could bury. It was completely done. I mean, it's it's so hard to explain that 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 in your mind was gone. We 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 you know we got it. We got it again. We got it back. And I remember Larry was always uh was always adamant that. And you see the guys that have won it before. Like when I got it, guys were so happy to see you win it. And for me, still being young, like I was more proud of the fact that Jim McKenzie, Turner Stevenson, um, guys, you know, I was a vet now with that. Seeing them, what they had to sacrifice to, to finally win a Stanley Cup. I mean, those were, the, those were the happiest moments seeing other guys and just seeing how they reacted. And, you know, you don't want to sound cocky. Oh, it's my second one. But to see a guy win his first one, you get you know what they were talking about all those all those times, but but that win right there, that completely washed the Colorado feel away forever, and, and it was important for all the guys that that were part of that. Is there a particular game in your mind that sticks out outside of obviously the one where you win the cup? But is there like another game that kind of brought you guys together, or there there was another moment in that run that you uh, will always remember, will always stick out for the two thousand three one? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's probably not a good one, but uh, it, the t- when Scotty took the slap shot to his head and he goes down and he ain't getting up. And 
I take that lightly. I mean, most people get hit with a slap shot in the head are going to go down, but this guy's an animal where Scotty's on the ice. He ain't getting up. And it was like, and when he got helped out by the trainers and he ain't coming back, we, it took a, whoa, like, like in, in Tampa could feel it. Next thing you notice, we, uh, I think we might've been up in that game, but we lose that game. And I believe it's game five, the next game. And we don't know if Scotty's going to play. And so we're, you know, we're kind of nervous about that. I mean, this guy's our leader. This guy's uh, in the playoffs. There's no one better. I mean, we were just really nervous about that. No one's, and you're not putting pressure on him, like, to, to play. And he, uh, he came in the room uh, before the buses. There's, a, they have like, a snack area, like, you know, you get people. And um, I remember he's sitting there by himself. And I, just, I just went over there and sat next to him, just kind of, you know, I, I don't know. If, I guess we'll see if he's going to kill me or whatever and see if he's ready for the game. But he, uh, when he stepped on that ice, it just lifted us up again, like, okay, he's back. And I think he scored a goal that game. But uh, I remember when Scotty went down for a moment there, it was like, oh, this ain't good. And when he didn't come back in the game, and after that night, we lost, but it still was like the, the main thing in all our minds was, is Scotty going to play? Because, you know, we needed him. I mean, he just was uh, – he was the man. I mean, when he was back there on the blue line, things were okay. It was uh, – you know, and, and so for him, his presence and just, just coming back, that was a big lift for all of us. Who was the – player you enjoyed playing with the most over your career um maybe that's uh, like a loaded question but yeah, just like you know who, who I, you just had fun with uh alexander mcgillney was uh as far as like probably one of the best hockey players i ever played with um uh, almo i mean i got so many second assists from just giving him the puck somewhere <laughs> and like got us because he he was incredible and he was just so calm i mean he uh he um almo one time He's so calm. And one time in the room, he completely snapped. He threw his skates in the garbage. He threw, and no one had seen this. Like it's Al, it's it's Almo, and he throws a stick in the in the garbage, and he went on to score, I think, thirteen goals in like eight games with the same stick. So I forgot who it was. Might have been Jim McKenzie or something. He he'd grab Almo's stick before the game and always put it in the garbage. So it became our joke. And it was just amazing. He kept scoring with the same stick. And a lot of people don't realize, like, you know, you're in the NHL. Hey, after a game, I need a new one. Or whatever. Yeah. It just depends how hot the stick is. And this guy, I mean, we're all joking. I mean, things barely hanging on. And it's in the room. It's in the middle because the thing's right in the middle of the island. And we're all just looking at the stick like, wow, this, this thing's <laughs> special. And one of the trainers, uh, Louis Santana, I think, he comes in the room. And it's mayhem. I mean, the trainers are, you know, every guy's – we all become – Diva is like every guy. Yeah, I need this. I need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and you're kind of. It's you, everyone's talking. Everyone's doing their, their, their thing. And Louis wasn't paying attention. And, and Madden used to sit right in the island because he put a chair right there, and he was sitting there, and he's helping Dog out. And he turned and he stepped on Almo's stick oh, and no. broke it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Almo was, and you heard it like crack. And I mean, the room just went dead for a second it was like and this poor you know poor louie he worked so hard and i think he started crying he runs out of the room everyone's just like oh and then of course almo alex morgillian being the man being how classy he was he ran after louie and made sure like hey it ain't the stick don't worry but meanwhile deep down i know almost thinking oh oh damn but <laughs> but yeah but he was uh 
that was Alamo was incredible. I had success with Bobby and uh, Sergey Breland. I played a lot with Sergey, but I think uh, some of the funnest memories and some of the funnest times I've ever had playing hockey was with uh, Patrick Elias and uh, Brian Gianta. I mean, uh, I don't think people really realize how great a player Patrick Elias was. I mean, at one time, uh, I mean, we're talking he's top three in the league. So when we, uh, when we got the dynamic going, it was to know you're going into a hockey game with one of the best players in the world at the time, um, knowing that you're going to probably end up getting a point or maybe it could be two or three. And we had that mentality, me, him, and Gio, and we just, we just worked well together. We knew exactly where to be. We were competitive with each other. We could talk uh, all the smack. I mean, we just – we really enjoyed – I mean, I, you know, for me personally, that was, uh, that was some of the greatest uh, moments I ever had was playing with those two guys. Did Eliash ever – did you ever have, like, a jaw drop moment on the ice? I mean, you're a talented player yourself, but was there ever a moment where you're on the ice with him and he just did something that just went, holy cow, can't believe that just happened? Um, by the time I played with Patty, so it was like third or fourth year. No, I'd be honest because no, it's just expected. You've seen it too much. It was like, I mean, the other people, yeah, are freaking out, but you see that day in and day out. Like this guy's that good. I think my moment with Patty was, uh, was when the A line was, uh, when they were on. But if you look at those games in our playoffs, um, through those runs, you think that, or you see that all our major goals, every big moment, Every key situation we had, Patrick Elias is involved. And I remember me and Jay Pandolfo sitting there uh, on the bench just being like, wow, this guy is that good. And, I mean, like I said, those moments, I mean, you name the big boys in the league, Patty's, you know, he's top three at that point. And I think that was the time I really remember was, wow, this guy is that good. There's nothing he can't do out there. And, and if people go back and watch the tapes, I, it's it's funny because we were at the reunion. You're seeing all these highlights, and you do you do forget that wow, Patty was involved in every big play, and uh, yeah, he definitely was more of the main reason why we uh, I got two Stanley Cups. That's for sure. I, I want to ask you one more question about the 2003, just because of this reunion that just happened. I mean, the Grant Marshall series clinching goal. There's a picture of you on the ice, like just. Take us through that moment because it was a pretty significant one, obviously, the series clinching goal. But talk about that to beat Tampa. Well, I, uh, we played game five, and I, uh, I thought I blew my knee out because I heard a big pop, and it was actually my ankle. So I didn't even think I was going to play. And I mean, my ankle was the size of – I barely get it in. You know, you got you to try. I mean, but if it's your ankle, I mean, it's, if you can't skate, you can't skate. So I always remember uh, – Getting through the game, playing. I mean, me, me, Patty, and uh, Marshy were aligned at that point. And uh, I remember when he scored the goal, he just went crazy, and you want to celebrate, but I could barely move. So I'm trying to get over to him, and he's going, he's going wild. But I mean, that's every time I see that clip, I just remember my ankle like <laughs> that. Uh, but that was a big key goal. He was a he was a big player for us, and uh, yeah, it was it was another step towards uh, you know Tampa. You could tell they were coming up, and Every team that played us, and they, the guys that played against us all those years, they'd tell you that the, the standard was the New Jersey Devils. I mean, you're, you, we had to face the best night in and night out. And so, especially in the playoffs, you, uh, I remember talking to Kevin Weeks, is when Carolina beat us, it gave them a boost. I mean, they went all the way to the finals, but, hey, we beat the New Jersey Devils in the playoffs. We, we you know, here we go. So just kind of finishing off Tampa the way we needed to. You know, we didn't want to go back or 
anytime you get a chance like that, but it was a huge goal. And I just remember we, uh, we, um, we definitely celebrated. The great thing about our teams were, and I don't know how it was with other teams, but the, some of the funnest parties were after we won, after we clinched because the, the guys were literally after we beat a team for a series, you usually have, you know, two or three days off days, and, yeah. we, and we enjoyed ourselves. I mean, it was, it wasn't like we took it for granted. Oh, we just won. No, we won. We beat them. Let's enjoy ourselves. That was a big accomplishment before we get, you know, before this ends the next day, we're, we're right back in business. But I mean, a lot of people don't realize some of the best moments we had were after winning like the first couple series. I mean, those were some good parties that I probably can't talk about, but <laughs> <laughs> and then well, maybe- had a restaurant uh, the first year. So, Oh, those walls could talk. It was uh, a blast. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, we have to end the podcast anyways. But we should have you back on to tell some of those stories, maybe. Yeah. probably can't, but that's okay. Uh, Really appreciate you joining us, Scott. Just fantastic uh, podcast interview for Amanda Stein, Chris Westcott, and Scott Gomez. Uh, See you next time.